Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thanks for taking a moment to take a look at the book with me. The book we're going to look at is the very first one as we come together for our study today. It's the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And in fact, the title of the study, Genesis, Foundations to Bible Prophecy, is a must-study you need to understand that Bible prophecy does not start in the major or minor prophets of the Old Testament and certainly not in the book of Revelation. Bible prophecy begins with the beginning book. That book, of course, the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. We're going to begin our study by looking at the precursors to Bible prophecy. That's what we'll study in just a moment. And by the way, if you'd like to get your copy so you can study individually on this particular subject, it's really the foundation for understanding Bible prophecy. You can call our toll-free number. It's 8-PROPHECY-8. 877-674-3298. I'll give you that number once again, and we'll tell you how you can go to our website as well. But first, let's have our study from the book of Genesis, Precursors to Bible Prophecy. Oh, there's something else. Chapter 6, 7, and 8 is Noah and the flood. And again, I'm not teaching on creation. I'm not teaching on the flood. I'm talking about supernatural creation. And God's going to create judgment. He created the heavens, the earth, and all that in them is. And now he's going to bring judgment upon the earth. Remember that judgment over in Revelation chapter 9? I told you about the fifth and sixth trumpet judgment out of the abyss, the the Taurus, the bottomless pit, comes forth a group of angels, evil angels. You know why they were there? They've been there for 4,500 years. You know why they were there? They came to earth. And those angels were having sexual relationship with human women. That's the sixth chapter. The sons of God came and had sexual relationships with the daughters of men. That couldn't be angels. Jesus said, in the heavens, angels don't have sexual relationship. Okay, I know that. I understand that chapter. That's in the heavens. We're not going to have sexual relationships in the heavens either. Is that a proof text that we can't have a sexual relationship now? The answer is no. No, it doesn't have anything to do with it now. It's talking about in the heavens. Angels had sexual relationship. You go to the book of um, Jude. It talks about they had unnatural sexual activities. And I know, again, if you want to talk to me about it, you disagree with me, I'd be honored to talk with you. But that's what happened. A sexual relationship which contaminated humankind. See, Satan knew that the Messiah was coming. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first prophecy of the Messiah coming. And Satan said, wait a minute, man, I didn't plan for that one. Okay, I guess what I need to do is contaminate humankind. So he brought this satanic strain. That's why when God came, he found eight people perfect. Noah, Shem, Ham, Jepheth, and their four wives. Not perfect without sin, because all are born in sin. Psalm 51, Psalm 58. 
think that they didn't have any type of angelic strain in their body. Have you ever wondered what a genealogy is for? Let me tell you what the fifth chapter of Genesis genealogy is for. It's from Adam to Noah. And you know what? There's not one angel listed in that genealogy. That's what one of the reasons for a genealogy. Not an angel. He was perfect. And the flood came and it wiped out everybody. You say, I don't believe that. I don't believe there's a worldwide flood. Honey, you're in the face of Jesus Christ, not me. Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 to 39. As in the days of Noah, when the flood came and took them all, except those eight. He confirmed it. You see, if you don't believe in creation, if you don't believe in the worldwide flood, you're taking on Jesus Christ. He's the one that did it. How do I know? He created everything. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. By him all are things created. Verse 17. And by him are all things kept together. And he talked about the flood. Oh, there's so much precious stuff here. Please excuse me for not having the time, but this is great. Chapter 6, 7, and 8. The flood. A supernatural creation. A year plus a couple of days. These animals, one key animal of every kind on that ark comes off and starts to procreate. The animals come to what we have today. Do you know there was no summer, winter, spring, or fall before the flood? Chapter 8 brings in summer, winter, spring, and fall. It was a tropical paradise before. But then he opened up the firmament above and the firmament below, and the waters came and took all in judgment. A creative act, a supernatural act of Jesus Christ. One more and we're going to go. Chapter 11 of the book of Genesis. Chapter 11. Chapter 11 of the book of Genesis talks about Confusion, supernatural confusion. In chapter 9, after the flood, God tells Noah and his three sons to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, repeople the earth. In chapter 10, we see the record of that taking place. Chapter 10, we see so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so, and the people start to come. Ham, one of the sons of, of uh, Noah, had a son named Cush. This is Genesis chapter 10. And that's verse 6. Verse 8, Cush had a son. His name was Nimrod. Verse 10, Nimrod, the beginning of his kingdom, was a place called Babel. Babel on the shores of the Euphrates River in what we know as modern-day Iraq. He went there, and instead of being fruitful, multiplying, and repeopling the earth, instead he built a great city called Babel. Babylon. In the face of God, I don't want this God. In fact, he said, let us make us a name. And choose us a God. They didn't like Jehovah's God's idea. And so they wanted another God. Well, the God in the heavenlies realized he's going to have to do something. Verse 5 of chapter 11. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language. I submit to you that was Hebrew. The Hebrew language. Because God said, when I bring the people back into the land, I will restore their pure 
language. After 2,000 years, linguists will tell you the only language to ever be resurrected in the history of the world was Hebrew. Jeremiah 31, 23, Zephaniah 3, 9, a pure language. The only language you used in Jeremiah 20, uh, 31, 23 says, I'll give you a language so you can glorify me. The only language that glorifies God is Hebrew. It's his language. It was spoken the only language until this point, And one day, this will be reversed. We'll speak Hebrew, all of us throughout eternity. They had one language. God was concerned. So nobody says in verse 7, go to, let us go down there and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And so they scattered. The Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build that city. And his will was accomplished Division took place. They were divided into language groups, which would mean nations come into existence. Chapter 10 talks about nations. It it finishes up talking about uh, Jepheth. And these are the nations that come from him. And then it talks about Ham. And these are the nations that come from him. And then it talks about Shem. And these are the nations that come from him. You want to know what happened in the days of Peleg, a descendant of Shem? Look at verse 25 of chapter 10. Verse 25 in chapter 10. And unto Eber were born two sons, and the one of them was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided. Didn't say the man was divided. The earth was divided. Remember over there in chapter 1, that third day of creation, he separated the water and he called that the oceans or the sea. He sept the land together. One piece of land. One piece of land. In the days of Peleg, when he separated into other language groups and developed the nations, I believe that's the day that he took the piece of land on the seas of the world, earth, and separated it. Look at all the continents. Look at their formation. They look like puzzle parts in an overall puzzle that would fit right together. How do you think there were people in North America early on? The Aztec Indians, South America, because there was one land. He separates them into their language groups. They go to their different locations, and then the earth comes apart. Supernatural division. Well, supernatural conversations, supernatural creation. There's going to be a supernatural conclusion. He made a commitment to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We read about it in those supernatural conversations. He said, I'm going to give you a piece of land. This earth cannot pass away. Until that promise is fulfilled. He's either the God he claimed to be, or he's the biggest liar and fake this world has ever talked about. If he's the God he claims to be, he has to give that land to the Jewish people. They have never had all the land that they were promised. They today have only 10% of it. They will have 100% of it. I'll talk about that later. 
the conclusion, the supernatural conclusion, he's going to give them the land. The supernatural coming at the rapture, at the return. That's supernatural. But he has a supernatural compassion. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I'm not slack concerning my promise. I'm coming, but I'm not willing that any should perish, but all should come unto knowledge of me. You know the only reason that Jesus has not come back yet? He wants somebody else to be saved. By the way, read the rest of 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 12 says, We can hasten the coming of the Lord. How? Being a soul winner. Use every activity. Golf, trips on a cruise in Alaska, mowing your yard, going to the grocery store, interaction with the senior citizens. Use it all to win people to Jesus Christ. That's his supernatural compassion. Let that be part of you. And we can hasten his coming. A supernatural event in the future. Father, thank you for your word. Again, I have to say it's awesome, amazing, articulate, authoritative, accurate, and it's absolute. Absolute. Supernatural events yet to happen. And we can believe they will happen because of those in the past that did happen. And we have an eyewitness account written by Moses some 3,500 years ago. 2,500 years after the fact, but he was inspired. The Holy Spirit of God breathed into him what we know as absolute truth. And as we continue our study these days together and look at the book of Genesis, might we come to the conclusion, Genesis is not only the beginning of history, the beginning of theology, it's the beginning and the foundations for Bible prophecy, which is our blessed hope, his glorious appearing. In my precious name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. The book of Genesis, it's an exciting book. It is the book of beginnings, as I've already said, and it is the foundation for Bible prophecy. That's the title of a five-hour audio series on CD that is available to you if you'd like to study along with us. It's the foundation for beginning to understand Bible prophecy. You need to get your copy of Genesis, The Foundations of Bible Prophecy, and you can go to our website. It's prophecytoday.com. Go to our shopping mall. There you can make your order. Or you can call our toll-free number. Call the office. People are standing by. That's 877-674-3298. Now, that's a toll-free number from across America. Again, that number, 877-674-3298. Call right now to get your copy of Genesis, The Foundations of Bible Prophecy. That's available from Prophecy Today. And by the way, as you begin your study of Bible prophecy, you'll understand that we're living in the days when Jesus Christ could shout and call us to be with him. In fact, that day could be today. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until...